click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time and welcome to catholic drive time today is friday may 19th 2023 the feast of pope saint peter celestine known as the phoenix of the church he lived a remarkable life marked by humility and simplicity born in italy to peasant parents he displayed a piety from a young age and even had visits from angels saints and the virgin mary during his prayers in 1274 he went to rome to defend his religious order and with the help of a miracle he gained the approval of pope gregory X. during a mass before the pontiff he desired his simple vestments that he had left behind and angels appeared to deliver them to him. Afterwards, he returned to his solitude. Upon the vacancy of the papal see, Peter Peter was unexpectedly elected as Pope Celestine V. Though he initially resisted the priesthood and considered himself unworthy, he accepted the position. As Pope, he lived with humility and continued his austere practices, even amid the bustling crowds, However, Peter eventually felt that the papacy was not his true calling and decided to abdicate. Despite opposition, he remained steadfast in his resolution and in a poignant moment read the renunciation before the cardinals. Clothed in pontifical vestments, he voluntarily relinquished the papal dignity and returned to his solitude, where he would eventually pass away. Peter's life is a testament to the innocence and purity of his childhood, his ability to attract masses through his solitary and saintly life, and the blessings bestowed upon his works. His unwavering simplicity and detachment from earthly concerns distinguished him, and his dialogue with God in solitude reflected his preparation for heaven. Pope St. Peter Celestine, pray for us. And good morning to you. Happy Friday. I hope you're having a blessed weekend, or I hope you're going to have a blessed weekend, rather, and that you had a great time for a holy Thursday. I hope you were able to keep that day holy, especially if in your diocese it was, in fact, a holy day of obligation. If not, then I suppose a happy uh, holy Thursday, or Ascension Thursday, rather. Happy Ascension Thursday, the Sunday, I suppose. But joining us right now is Tito Edwards, our producer. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. I cannot believe it's already Friday. And uh, yes, I had a nice uh, Mass with my wife uh, yesterday morning, celebrating Ascension Thursday. And uh, for those of you that were unable to fulfill your obligations or it's been transferred to Sunday, don't forget to mention to the priest, Happy Ascension Thursday Sunday. Yep, exactly, exactly. It's kind of funny, yeah, just uh, go, up to, go up to Father and be like, Hey, Father, uh, Happy Ascension Thursday. And then he's going to be like, it's, but it's, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Ascension Thursday on Sunday. That's right. That's, that's, how we, that's how we do it. We celebrate Ascension Thursday on Sunday. But there you go. So today we have a lot of very interesting stories coming up. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about the L.A. Dodgers. Do you, are you familiar with that group? I'm going to be honest. I don't really keep up with baseball outside of the Astros, so not really. But I found out that they will be honoring a drag queen a group that are mocks Catholics labeled the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. A very blasphemous situation there. So we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. Plus, there is a story out of uh, the out of Catholic vote about hospitals promoting LGBTQ ideologies. 
And at 30 past the hour, Lila Miller is going to be on with us to talk about nine bad arguments for Catholics attending invalid weddings. That's coming up at 30 past the hour. And in the next hour, Dave Palmer is going to be on with us to talk about Kierkegaard and St. Thomas Aquinas's commentary on the Ascension. So all this coming up in this hour and the next hour, I suppose, as well. And plus, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up as well. Today is a day when we give out prizes. And yesterday, there was no, there was not a live show, so no game show yesterday, which means the chances of you winning, if your name is in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence, just went up. So make sure you call in today. Hop on and wait on hold. You can jump on as early as a 7 o'clock hour. And you will be able to be on with us. And you can find out our phone number, all the information at grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get all that information. Thank you to Catholic Answers for sponsoring the game show this week. And so before we jump into our prayer, we start off the show. I just wanted to remind you that if you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, you can join our email list there on our email list. You'll be able to get our uh, unique content that we don't send out to anybody else. Plus, in one week, I think that's one week, yeah, and, that, and next week is the Feast of Pentecost. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it may be the week after, but I'm pretty sure it's next week, is the Feast of Pentecost. And starting on the Monday after Pentecost, we're going to be going through the St. Robert's Bellarmine Catechism as a CDT crew. So if you want to join us in that, you're going to want to be on our email list because all the information how to join our private catechism study group will be listed in our email list. You have to be part of our private Telegram chat, which the link to that is in our email list. So make sure you're on that email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you want to learn the catechism with a doctor of the church, St. Robert Bellarmine, you're going to want to be on that email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All right, let's begin with prayer. As is our custom, we're going to be praying for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on in your life, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for, all those intentions. And especially today, we're praying for our CDT insider, Damon. His daughter just turned six today. Happy birthday to you, Marie Stalis. Uh, we're praying for you on your sixth birthday and praying for your family as well. We'll pray the Subtuum, an ancient third century prayer dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We'll pray this together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus sancta dei genitrix, nostra deprecationes ne despicias in necitatibus, sed a periculis cunctis libra nos semper virgo gloriosa et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Friday, May 19th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting that following concerns expressed by the Archdiocese of New York, a Manhattan Catholic church has changed the name of an art display from God is Trans, a queer spiritual journey, to simply a queer spiritual journey. The artwork is still on display at the 19th century Mother Church of the Paulus Fathers in a side chapel dedicated to St. Agnes. Catholic News Agency is reporting the Nicaraguan dictatorship announces voluntary dissolution of university-forming seminarians. 
the Nicaraguan Ministry of the Interior announced in official media the voluntary dissolution of the Immaculate Conception Catholic University of the Archdiocese of Managua, which functioned as a formation center for seminarians from the Nicaraguan capital. From December 2021 to March 2023, some 19 universities in the country were forcibly shut down. Catholic News Agency is reporting an unidentified man is in custody after driving a car at high speed through a gate at the Vatican Thursday, the Holy Press, the Holy See Press Office said. A guard stationed at the Santa Ana entrance fired his weapon in the direction of the vehicle's front tires, hitting the left front fender, but the vehicle proceeded onto the Vatican grounds until the driver got out at the San Damaso courtyard, the main courtyard of the Apostolic Palace. The press office said there the man was blocked and placed under arrest by the gendarmerie. The press office continued and said. And finally, LifeSide is reporting the Los Angeles Dodgers have canceled their decision to grant a sacrilegious anti-Catholic hate group a community hero award due to outrage over plans. On uh, At the same time, they are still they are now having under tremendous pressure from the LGBT crew. Catholic Vote has reported. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 16, verses 20 through 23. Believe me when I tell you this, you will weep and, weep and lament while the world rejoices. You will be distressed, but your distress shall be turned into joy. A woman in childbirth feels distressed because now her time has come. But when she has borne her child, she does not remember the distress any longer. So glad is she that a man has been born into the world. So it is with you. You are distressed now, but one day I will see you again. And then your hearts will be glad, and your gladness will be one which nobody can take away from you. When the day comes, you will not need to ask anything of me. Believe me, you have only to make any request of the Father in my name, and he will grant it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. The commentary in the Gospel today comes from Cornelius Lapide. Surprising, I know you were not expecting that. And the commentary, he has a lot to say about the the passages, but we're going to focus in on just a couple of things. One here is verse 21, when a woman, when she is in travail, had sorrow because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world as hoping that the child will be a support and credit to her in this life and will succeed her after her death. For since men cannot themselves live forever, they hope in a sense to live in their children. A queen rejoices in her firstborn as having born a king. This illustration is most apposite. For Christ compares his death to childbirth and his resurrection to the joy after childbirth. For Christ suffered anguish and tortures like a woman in childbirth. But when he saw himself rising again through the merit of his death and knew that we should in like manner rise again, he greatly rejoiced himself and inspired the apostles and all the faithful with great joy. For he brought them forth as his children by dying for them on the cross. You may apply this also to the persecutions and sufferings of the apostles and faithful in this life and to their joy and exaltation at the resurrection. I think this is a great uh, com commentary because it shows exactly the way our lives are. Because we suffer in this life. We suffer greatly in this life. Some suffer more than others. But at the end of the day, it is all worth it. 
should we enter the kingdom of heaven? And so let that be the goal. And so with a woman who gives birth, it said, I've read a, I forgot, I'm forgetting the article now. I was reading an article how there are chemicals that are released in the woman's body that makes her forget the pain. Like she actually forgets the pain, which is why that so women will be like, I'm never having another kid again. And then like six months later, they're like, all right, I'm ready for another kid. And it happens very, very frequently. Now, Cornelius Lapide commenting on this, he says that the, the sorrow of the disciples is rightly compared to the woman in travail for six reasons. One, because both are painful and the pain is greater at the birth of a boy. I wonder if that's true or not. I guess because the boy is larger, typically. Uh, two, because they are short. Three, and perilous. Fourth, both turned into joy, the one by the birth of a child, and the other of the resurrection of Christ and his followers. Fifth, as the same child is the cause of pain in being born and of joy afterwards, so Christ also caused great pain to the disciples by his death and great joy by his resurrection. And sixth, the joy is either case is surpassing and very great and swallows up the preceding pain. So the joy is so great that you forget the pain that came before. Now, tropologically, Cornelius Lapide here says, the mind of a penitent sinner and also the mind of a righteous man, when thinking on martyrdom, entrance into religion, or any other difficult or heroic work, is like a woman in her pangs, because he strives with great pain and labor to bring his conversion, martyrdom, or entrance into religion, to the birth. Read St. Augustine, where he records with what great effort he brought to the birth his propose, his purpose of a new life. As Isaiah says, but yet this travailing causes great joy, but the ungodly in like manner bring their evil deeds to the birth with great labor and pain, which turns into the torments of hell at last. Now again, a preacher or confessor or anyone else who strives to win souls to God does it with great travail. When St. Gregory compares such a one to a laboring hind, which with great difficulty brings forth her young and bellows through pain. Few persons think what labor is displayed in the preaching of the fathers. With what pangs, with the effort and faith and conversion, do they bring forth souls? How do they look round with careful observation, so as to be bold in their directions, compassionate in infirmities, gentle in their exhortations, humble in displaying authority? Now, this makes me think of one thing. When we try to convert others, are we suffering by their birth into new life? If we're not, maybe we're not doing it right because we should be offering up penances, sacrifices, sufferings for the conversion of sinners and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. So let's meditate upon that today. Hey Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. 
Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable like mankind. Papa is excitable like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous like mankind. And so if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. A lot of very concerning stories in the news. I want to start here for a moment. We're going to get a touch on this topic, and maybe we'll revisit it next week. A plot to pressure hospitals into performing trans surgeries on children in the name of the LGBTQ movement. The Healthcare Equality Index, funded by Pfizer and Pharma, rates hospitals based on their conformity to the LGBTQ plus agenda. The index awards points to hospitals based on their implementation of pro-trans policies. HEI, Healthcare Equality Index, has allowed powerful lobbyists to influence hospitals and become de facto regulators of healthcare. The index's responsible citizenship clause, which penalizes facilities for discrimination, is criticized as particularly dangerous. Hospitals have faced lawsuits and point deductions for refusing certain procedures on transgender patients. Now, this is really bad because it encourages hospitals to do evil things. This is very bad. However, in one way... It kind of, I'm like, this may be a good thing as well, because then we, as good Christians, would can be able to look at these situations, look at these hospitals and say, hey, that guy has a high score. Um, let's not go to that hospital. And I think it's a good thing to know. But perhaps the solution, because obviously we don't want this, is for the opposite to happen. For Catholics or Christians in general to be able to create a a scorecard for hospitals that say that give them low scores for being woke. And then we know, okay, this, this hospital is promotes evil ideas and is pro distorting our children. So let's not go there. Let's not take our children there. Let's avoid the situation lest they try to uh, corrupt our children. So very concerning story. We might bring this up again, <clears throat> in a uh, next week but i want to move over to this story which i thought was incredibly interesting especially considering the response this is very very good it's very bad but very good here's the story dodgers boot anti-catholic sisters of perpetual indulgence from lgbt event after controversy now you may be asking what is the sisters of perpetual indulgence the sisters of perpetual indulgence are not sisters they're not even women the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are men. They are men who wear mocking costumes of religious sisters and white face paint and disgusting outfits. And these are transvestites who mock and blaspheme God, his saints, and his religious. These people have wicked and disgusting names. And the Dodgers teamed up with their longtime community nonprofit partner, L.A. Pride, to host their annual LGBTQ plus Pride Night at Dodger Stadium on June 16th. The event here, which is already bad, so just that alone, you're just like, okay, they're promoting 
evil ideologies. This is already disgusting and bad and needs to be rejected. However, they go a step further. They're like, you know, this is uh, bad. I think we're going to go a step further and be worse. And they decided to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, these drag queens, these transvestites, to receive this year's Community Hero Award. And multi-platinum recording artist David Atchuleta was would be singing the national anthem. This is very concerning and very bad that they are allowing this to happen. Now, the good news is there was such a backlash from Catholics, Catholic Vote especially. Thank you to Catholic Vote for their response. They have rescinded and they are no longer going to be honoring this group as Community Hero Award, which is very, very good. Very happy to hear that. However, this is still concerning that they even thought that this was okay to begin with. So what are the two lessons here? Uh, Lesson one is these people do not care about us. They hate us and they want us to, they want to promote wicked ideologies. They want to blaspheme God. The other lesson is that we have a voice, that we have influence, that if we Do not bury our heads in the sand and pretend, oh, well, the culture is lost. Let's just give up. What can we do? We'll just mind our own business and hope that they don't chop our heads off too. That's not the mentality that we should have because we can win. Clearly we can win. If every Catholic said, you know what? I'm not attending a Dodgers game until they apologize to us. Well, what happens? They do. They do. This is a success. And we have the only way we can do it is if we make tiny sacrifices to say, hey, I'm not going to tune into the Dodgers anymore. I'm not going to buy my tickets. In fact, I'm going to demand a refund for my tickets. These are the things that we have to do to be able to speak out, to be able to create a stink in order to show that we are serious. A very, very concerning thing. Yeah, there's that's great news. Even better news, the cascading effect of all these... Uh, LGBT groups are now canceling their appearance in so-called Pride Night. And so it's a positive effect that even there's, there'll be even less participation from the secular left. So it's a, it's a good thing all the way around. And protests do work. At the very least, it's a great witness to your faith. You can show others that they're not alone in this fight against the culture of death. And we need to step up and do our part. Pray the rosary, voice our concerns. And, and when there are well-intentioned prelates who say, no, 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 we don't want to draw any more attention to them in <clears throat> New York, <clears throat> um, we need to still step up. Vatican II asked the laity that we are, need to uh, step up our game and be more participative in the, in the life of the church. So there you go. And so the Dodgers released a statement saying, In the spirit of unity, the Los Angeles Dodgers are proud to host the 10th annual LGBTQ Pride Night on June 16th. So they're still having their Pride Night, unfortunately, and I think that's bad enough already. But he goes on, this event has become a meaningful tradition, highlighting not only the diversity and resilience within our fan base, but also the impactful work of extraordinary community groups. This year, as part of a full night of programming, we invited... a number of groups to join us. We are now aware that our inclusion of one group in particular, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they should be the, the transvestites, the, in this year's Pride Night has been the source of some controversy. Oh, no kidding. Some controversy, you say. 
given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the Sisters of, in, of Inclusion in our evening, and in effort not to distract from the great benefit that we have seen in the years of Pride Night, we are deciding to remove them from this group of honorees. Now, here's a very concerning statement. So, yes, it's a win. I'm glad that they're no longer going to be honoring them. But listen to what they had to say to us. They said, well, there's some people that have strong feelings and they have been offended by the sisters' inclusion. That's what they're saying. They're not saying, I'm sorry for blaspheming God. No, they, instead they say, I'm sorry you were offended. So this is a non-apology. I'm glad that they are no longer inviting them. But this is ultimately a non-apology. Imagine, imagine if this was Islam. Or imagine if these were Jews. Imagine if it was some, it was the, some people, some drag queens, some transvestites that dressed up like a Hasidic Jew with the locks and wearing the hats and wearing all the religious garments of a Hasidic Jew. And they came out mocking them that way. What would be the reaction? Absolute uproar. They would be screaming mea culpas. Imagine if it was a group of, of transvestites that dressed up like Muhammad. They all were dressing up as drag queen Muhammad. Imagine what would happen. Imagine the reaction from the Muslims. It would be absolute horror. And they would just fall to their knees. They'd probably donate thousands of dollars to Muslim groups. But what do they do for Catholics? Oh, I'm sorry you were offended. I'm sorry that you don't and are not supporting, that your feelings were hurt by our inclusion. This is very, very concerning. So, yes, I'm happy that they canceled the group, but this is not a ultimate victory. It's a small victory. We should rejoice in, the, in victory over certain small battles, but we cannot cloud ourselves and think, oh, we have won the war because we win a battle. We're so desperate for wins that we kind of get ahead of ourselves when we win small battles. This is not how the left won. The left won by refusing to take anything. They do not accept Nothing except total victory. And so, too, should we, because they are wrong and we are right. And ultimately, that is the reason. Now, understand that this group's slogan is go forth and sin some more. This is a group that actively promotes wickedness. It's a group that actively promotes evil. They even have a Jesus and Mary themed trip tease that they did on Easter this year. Do you realize how disgusting and evil and blasphemous this group is. Now, the left will come out and they'll say, oh, you Christians are so sensitive and you get offended by these, these things of people acting this way. You have to realize that we are offended by the blaspheming of the holy name of Jesus and of his saints and of his religious. Whereas this group, these groups, these people, the leftists, will lose their minds if you correctly gender someone. If you call a man a man and a woman a woman, they will lose their minds. They will scream. They will yell. They will start crying. For me, I say, I echo the words of Louis IX. Say whatever you want against me. Blaspheme against me all you want. Hate me all you want. Mercy for those who offend me, but not for those who offend God. St. Louis IX was known to be the merciful saint. The merciful king I had him stabbed in the back many times because of it. And he put in blasphemy laws in his country, in the country of France. 
And when he did, people were like, well, Louis the Ninth, he's so merciful. He won't do anything if anybody blasphemes. And so someone tested that. A nobleman. And what did Louis the Ninth do? He pierced the nobleman's tongue with a needle for blaspheming the name of God. He said, mercy for those who offend me, but none for those who offend God. A very important lesson that we can learn from Louis the Ninth. Very important lesson. Now, I think this is a, per- a great opportunity to take a quick second to talk about blasphemy. Blasphemy is one of the most wicked and evil of acts. One of the most disgusting things that someone can do is blasphemy against God. This is something that is often forgotten. It's the second commandment. The second commandment. And we have to realize that this was forbidden in every country in the world until today. In fact, we used to have blasphemy laws here in the United States. In the United States, you could be sentenced to prison for blasphemy in America, the United States of America. And so this is a something that we have forgotten. If you look at Holy Scripture, it was punishable by death. It was punishable by death to offend God in such a way. The old law, the blasphemer, was punished by death. So God appointed on the occasion of blasphemy, the man that curseth his God shall bear his sins. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, dying, let him die. All the multitude shall stone him, whether he be a native or a stranger. He that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, dying, let him die. Upon hearing blasphemy, the Jews were wont in destitution of the crime to rend their clothing. So let us have the same mentality. I think we're going to talk about blasphemy some more because it's such an evil thing. It's such an evil thing. Even using his name in vain and casual speech. Thank you. Like OMGs, like all these kind of things like that. We should not use the name of our Lord, the name of God in casual speech. Let's purge that from our language. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thirdly, a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, May 19, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. 
LifeSide is reporting by a 19 to 12 vote, the Texas Senate gave final approval Wednesday to legislation banning minors from being subjected to puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and so-called gender reassignment surgery with Republican Governor Greg Abbott expected to sign. Evidence shows that affirming a child's confusion about his or her biological sex carries severe harms, especially when such affirmation takes the form of a physically transformative medical procedures. OSV News reports Germany's Catholic Church will be forced to give up a third of its property in the face of dwindling membership and revenue, according to a new report, with many buildings facing demolition unless converted to other uses. Germany's Catholic Church has merged and reorganized parishes and sold off ecclesiastical assets over the last two decades. In the wake of falling membership and revenues in a trend also reflected in other European countries. LifeSide is reporting California has backed down on enforcing a law requiring medical practitioners to participate in physician-assisted suicide against their will and has agreed to pay $300,000 to the Christian medical professionals who took the state to court. While, ruling, while the ruling represents a victory for religious freedom and medical ethics, the ongoing national conflict between the assisted suicide movement and the conscience rights is far from settled. The Biden administration has proposed rescinding federal regulations that will provide conscientious protections for professionals who do not want to engage in, quote, abortion, sterilization, and certain other health services, end quote, assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing, and for managed care organizations with moral or religious objections to counseling or referral for certain services. And finally, the Daily Wire is reporting the country's largest children's hospital performs sex change procedures on children as young as 11, according to a new report. Texas Children's Hospital in Houston inserted an implantable puberty blocker in multiple children, including at least one 11-year-old, according to whistleblower documents obtained by City Journal's Christopher Rufo. In March of last year, Texas Children's Hospital executives said they would stop performing transgender medical procedures on minors due to legal, legal and criminal liability concerns. Texas Governor Greg Abbott had just directed state agencies to investigate these cases. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Uh, before we jump into this conversation with Lila Miller, I wanted to finish up a little bit about blasphemy. And I think what I'm going to do is today, sometime today, I'm going to create a video about blasphemy just because I, I'm just so upset about this. I'm so upset about this. Uh, these blasphemies against God are just so offensive. And I, so I think I'm going to make a video all about blasphemy later today. If you want to get that video, I'll probably send it out to you on our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Sign up for our email list. I'll send that to you all today. And here is the thing. I wanted to read this before we move forward. I was reading Father Spagaro's The Catechism Explained. And here he says, Working people who curse and swear over their work or call down imprecations upon their horses they are driving cannot expect their labor to prosper. And I was thinking about upon their horses they are driving, like as if when you know when you're driving your car and you're in the going down the highway and you start cursing because someone cuts you off or something like that. I thought of that whenever he said that here. And then one other thing here. Some things about, never change. Yeah, some things never change. And here he says, as one tells from the language of a stranger, speaks of what country he is a native. So when oaths flow freely from a man's lips, one may conclude he belongs to hell. 
there is a reason to fear that he does not belong to the kingdom of God, for he talks the language of hell. The fathers used to consider swearing as a sign of perdition. Those who curse shall perish. They shall not possess the kingdom of God. Ordinary swearing is a venial sin, provided no serious evil is worked to one's neighbor. Yet it is a greater sin than taking God's name in vain, because not only is it a disrespect towards God, but an offense against charity. So, yes, ordinary swearing is even a venial sin. So keep that in mind. Think about that today. Let's purge this disgusting language out of our mouths so that way we may be, uh, have a purity of heart and a purity of mind and a purity of speech. Amen, Adrian. Uh, what channel are you going to have that released on today? I'll probably post it. Uh, go into our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, stay connected with us there, uh, and you'll be able to get all of our things there. So make sure you're on our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get us connected and when you want to be on our email list. But joining us right now is Lila Miller. She is a wife and a mother, a grandmother, and a writer. Her books include Primal Loss, The Now Adult Children of Divorce Speak, uh, Raising Chaste Catholic Men, Made This Way, How to Prepare Kids to Face Today's Tough Moral Issues, and Impossible Marriages Redeemed. Uh, good morning to you, Lila Miller. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. Oh, praise be to God. It's good to have you. I found your article incredibly interesting, your, book, your article on nine bad arguments for Catholics attending invalid weddings. I found this incredibly fascinating because I have this conversation with people all the time. People will come up to me and they'll ask my opinion. They'll say, oh, Adrian, uh, what do you think? Should I go to this wedding? Should I not go to this wedding? And it's always a game of uh, how to let people down easy. So I really enjoyed your article. So let's start here. Why did you write this article to begin with? Well, because, you know, I'm a revert, and I remember always hearing that, well, you know, it's okay if you go to um, an invalid wedding of Catholics. I'm talking about baptized Catholics who get married outside the church, which is against church law. Um, you know, that it would be okay as long as you're trying to keep the bonds of charity or, you know, not drive them further away from Christ and all these things. And over time, um, even though really great priests and even good influencers were saying these things, I thought, this doesn't really make any sense. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out why why we, people would say this when it's not really something we'd say about any other sinful event or something that is sinful that we could partake directly in. Um, and so I started really thinking about it. Even good people that I knew would, would find excuses to go to their children's fake weddings, you know, things like that, and put themselves in jeopardy spiritually. And so I started to just kind of enumerate the different reasons why this didn't connect to any Catholic principle whatsoever or any Catholic moral teaching. You know, it's very interesting, and I think it's a good place to start is what does the church teach about a valid Catholic wedding? Uh, what say you, Lila Miller? So Catholics are bound by canon law, which is the binding and loosing power that Jesus gave to the apostles. So it's the disciplines of, for example, you know, don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent or, um, you know, go to Holy Days of Obligation. And all those things are binding on us via through mortal sin, really, if we if we transgress those those laws of the church for Catholics, then we are guilty of mortal sin. And so um, in the same way, the marriage laws are, they bind baptized Catholics. And so one of the things we have to do is we have to get married 
in the Catholic Church with the witness of the Catholic Church, a priest or deacon witnessing, um, unless we get a dispensation from the bishop. So, and of course, we can't be married before and all that. But uh, as far as you know, without annulment, so you have to be free to marry and you have to get married in the church unless you have a dispensation. So those are just basic truths of how Catholics must marry to make it valid. Now, this is not true for Protestants. That's a whole other issue. So that's it's binding. And we just sort of want to wave that away and pretend that that's nothing anymore and that, well, you know, we just want to be nice and not drive people away. And so we're going to go ahead and celebrate something that is a simulation of a sacrament or something that is uh, fraudulent. It's not true. And um, we simply can't do that, morally speaking. Absolutely. And a simulation of a sacrament is a grave blasphemy against God. And we're just talking about blasphemy. And this is, we, we kind of have this idea, well, it's, it may be bad, but it's not that bad. And it's kind of a, we have been desensitized to the evils of the world. I liked what you had wrote here. It said, prior to the 1970s, no faithful Catholic would dare risk his soul or cause scandal by attending such a quote-unquote wedding. And no priest of Jesus would get permission to do so. That's very interesting. So what do you think changed in terms of, uh, the, of our understanding or our disposition that made it go so differently? I think the same thing happened that happened with contraception, um, where nothing changed. I mean, obviously, that's more of a, an intrinsic moral law. This, this is one that's it's changeable. Canon law can change. But it's still binding. So for us, it's the same penalty if we transgress. Um, but people just started to say, well, let's just how do you feel about it? You know, if your conscience tells you, if you, if you think about it and pray about it, um, then you could probably go ahead and do that because uh, you've really put a lot of thought and prayer into it. Well, okay, or discernment or whatever. I think that people don't want to make folks feel uncomfortable anymore, and we are not willing in this society uh, to to pay a price for our Catholicism and for our beliefs, especially if there's some sort of social shaming or mockery or what are you you know what are you talking about or you're mean you know that type of thing, which is why we're falling for all the woke garbage now too, is because it, we could be labeled as mean, um, you know even though it's it's a complete lie that we would be cutting someone off or we would be you know shunning them forever. No, we wouldn't. We're just literally skipping an event. <laughs> we don't want to go to this event because it's <laughs> sinful. And so um, we're pegged with all these different uh, accusations that we're just terrible people. And I think that priests don't want to tell their their parishioners that because everybody wants to keep peace and be nice. And so we are just at a point where we don't want to pay a price anymore for 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 um, for Christ. Amen. Amen. We're about to head to a break. When we come back, I want to get into these nine arguments specifically and kind of go through why these are not good arguments. So all this coming up and more with Lila Miller. And we'll be right back on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. And remember, get on our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised 
The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. I'm joined right now with Lila Miller. She wrote an article with Crisis Magazine, Nine Bad Arguments for Catholics Attending Invalid Weddings. A very excellent article. I highly recommend checking it out. Now, we kind of already discussed a number of these in our discussion in the last segment, but I want to kind of dive into these in particular. And the number one on the list, I think is my favorite because it just annoys me to no end. I get this all the time. People will say, my priest told me I could go. People, But I'm like, then why did you even ask my opinion if you're going to just be like, well, Father said. So obviously it's kind of it's kind of offending you a little bit. It's kind of pricking your conscience a little bit if you're asking other people's opinions. And people say, well, you think you know better than Father? And, and I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. But all I can say is, would you go and ask Father before you go commit murder? Would you go and say, hey, Father, I'm thinking about committing murder. What do you think? Should I do it? Should I not? And if he says, oh, yeah, go for it, you're going to be like, well, Father said, I, so I guess I can. Uh, what say you, Lila Miller, about point number one? Yeah, I mean, I think that is right, that there's a conscience thing going on there. And uh, why do you ask? You know, if, if And partly, to give people the, the benefit of the doubt, Partly, it's probably because they hear it all around them as well, which is, you know, their friends and they're, oh, sure, you can go. It's that's not a big deal. That's not forbidden. You know, you can go as long as you're, as long as you let them know that you know you're not really happy about it. Then you can go get your hair done and your get a new dress and go dance and feast and you know have fun and 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 congratulate them and all that. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to go clear it with my priest, and then the priest has absolutely no tools or no stomach for saying what is true or doesn't know because a bunch of them are ignorant you know and they think that it has somehow changed or that you're allowed to because of your sentiment or you're you know want to be you know nice to your kids or something um so then they say of course oh sure you know you can go but you know don't be happy about it or something like that and it just that doesn't that's not ever been the way that we morally reason as catholics and also there's never been a time where we have been allowed to go to invalid quote-unquote weddings before, I always like to say, before the sexual revolution. It's like, okay, so do we see that it's corresponding to a change in attitude overall and not a good one? Mm -hmm. So um, that's just not good enough, and uh, sadly, we just don't have priests that have tools. I will say that priests have contacted me since this article and thanked me because now they have a tool. They feel like they have something to 
to, to work off of to explain to people why they can't go. Excellent. Praise be to God. So send this to your local pastor. There you go. Go to crisismagazine.com and pull this article up and send it to your pastor. The point number two here I thought was really, really good as well because nobody talks about the nine ways to be an accessory to another sin. And you have here the number two, attendance is a matter of prudential judgment as a objection. And you bring up the nine ways to be an accessory to someone's sin. Could you speak about that for just a moment? Sure, because um, a pr- if you base a decision on prudential judgment, which is what people say, well, you know, you have to think about it as far as a matter of prudential judgment, but that would never involve uh, any transgression of the moral law. So you can't prudently decide to sin. <laughs> so if you're using it that way, this idea of prudential judgment, then you're using the principle wrong. And then, um, yeah, we never really were raised to understand what is really very clear. Like, I love these nine ways. Traditionally, this is how, you know, the traditional nine ways to be an accessory to another's sin. Very simple things that we should have learned, which is by counsel, by command, by consent, by provocation, by praise or flattery, by concealment, by partaking, by silence, and by defense of the ill done. Think about that. Like if we if we checked ourselves and said, okay, am I doing one of these things in regards to a sin that someone else is committing? Then we'd pull back and say, okay, I can't have I can't have anything to do with it. I can't do these one of these nine things. And and uh, for example, I can't partake in a sin. Yeah, for sure. And I thought I I want to read uh, just a, the passage you have here about that. You say here. A few apply here, including by praise or flattery. You are such a beautiful bride when she is not a bride. By partaking, that one is obvious. And by defense of the ill done, good for them. It's a step in the right direction. I think those are great examples of how you become an accessory to sin. And I think people should think about this, not just in the context of the wedding issue, but also in terms of every issue. Because I feel as though we have completely lost this idea of accessory to sin and that we need to add this to our examination of conscience. Now, here's the thing that I think is incredibly common. The couple doesn't know it's a sin. And I've heard this regarding many, many things where they're saying, well, and we shouldn't even tell them because once they know, then they're going to be responsible for it. But for now, since they don't know, they're not responsible for it. And I'm like, no, no. So tell me, why is this wrong, Mrs. Miller? Right. And I, and I want to just say that I think sometimes that they use that argument, well, they don't know, and if we tell them, then they'll be in sin, so we don't want to let them know. That is such a narrow, um, the only time you would do that, I think, is if, if you're a confessor, listening to the confession, like they used to say, of someone who had no shot at changing their life, um, you know, maybe someone who is, you know, mentally unable to change uh, their life as far as maybe using contraception or something. I just some way that a priest, a holy priest would know, gosh, if I tell this person the truth and they're innocent right now, they don't know the truth, it will put them in sin. That is not for us to decide. That's for a very wise priest in a very narrow situation to decide. Um, and that's not about us. We are talking about our friends, our family, people who we hope will turn to God if they've left the church. And so, uh, yeah, that whole idea that we could just leave people in the dark, would you do that for any other sin? I mean, oh, gosh, my daughter's going to go get an abortion. Oh, I, I, I'm just not going to tell her that, you know, that might be a sin. You know, I'm not, you know she, she's going to stay out of sin somehow if I don't tell her that, you know, shacking up or living with her boyfriend is a sin or if, um, you know, going to rob that bank is a sin. Huh? No. 
you know, you would we we have an obligation, right? Even scripturally, to warn people if there's a sin, and and hopefully, if they're you know if they're about to go into sin, you say something with love, but you have to warn them. Otherwise, it's on you. So even if they don't buy it, even if they don't believe it, we know we know the truth. So we still can't participate in something that we know is against God's law, and in this case, it is against church law, which is binding on the person who's Catholic or baptized Catholic and binding on us. So we got to get back to objective truth and stop doing this whole subjective, like, well, you know, maybe this person doesn't fully have the three conditions for mortal sin, and we're going to go through it legalistically. It's like, when did we all become legalistic? I thought the Pharisees, you know, or the legalism of things was something we were trying to not do. But here it seems like we all are trying to do it constantly, and, and, and God just doesn't smile on that, trying to skirt the moral law just to make life more comfortable for everyone. Absolutely. And and speaking of that, I want to jump over to number nine. I want to go back to the other ones later if we have time, but I want to skip over number nine because you kind of brought this up already, which is canon law doesn't forbid it. Canon law is silent on the issue, and you bring up this idea of legalism, which I think is hilarious because they always accuse people who hold to the traditions of the church and hold to the moral teaching of the church. They're like, oh, don't be such legalist. But I always say, no, you're being a legalist because you're trying to find where's the fine line where I'm not technically sinning. And they try to walk that line as finely as possible. And I'm like, that's the legalism that we see in Holy Scripture being condemned. Uh, so number nine, how do you respond to this argument, Mrs. Miller? Yeah, and that's perfectly said because that is what happens. You know, we're we're called the, the Pharisees. You're the legalist. You're no, 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 no. Anybody who's working really hard not to just love God and never offend Him, but instead they're trying to find what's the line. You know, what's the, what's the line past which I just really can't cross, but I'm going to get as close to that line as possible. That is exactly right. Those are the legalists. So um, essentially, people are saying, well, if I don't see something explicitly stated, then I'm okay. I could do this thing. And it's like, okay, um, that's the same exact argument. And again, these are really good Catholics who are using that particular argument for this, these weddings. And so I would always say, but yeah, that's the same thing that, that the left always says on things like gay marriage and Jesus. You know, well, Jesus is silent on gay marriage. It's like, uh, well, he's silent on child sex trafficking as well. Um, and I just, you know, like, on, and on necrophilia. I mean, he's silent on a lot of things that we can pretty much 100% know that he's against. And we're not trying to skirt that law. So, and I worked with a canon lawyer, by the way, on this um, article. And um, so unlike, unlike the, the, the Ten Commandments, which are the, the natural law, moral issues that everybody has to follow, including atheists, whether they know it or not, the issues of church discipline um, are not expected to discuss every single sin, um, because it, it, we actually pre, it presupposes, canon law presupposes acceptance of the moral law. So, for example, canon law isn't going to say you can't drive the getaway car for uh, a bank robbery. Well, no, it doesn't say that explicitly, but we know the moral law. We know you cannot participate <laughs> in a sin, so it can't enumerate every single sin that you could possibly participate in and say that you can't do it. We know you can't because moral, Catholic moral principles are, you, you know, the ends don't justify the means. You, you're not allowed to partake in sin, um, and that would be directly partaking. So that w it's kind of this legalistic thing where if it's not explicit, we can do it. No, <laughs> it's never been the case with canon law or even the moral law. 
Yes, absolutely. And we're not going to be able to finish the rest of these. So if you're going to want to find them out, you go to crisismagazine.com and read this article in full. I highly encourage it. Uh, last question, Mrs. Miller. Uh, the topic of Oh, you know, I we want to preserve the bonds of charity. Mm. We have to be charitable. We want to love them. We want them to feel love. We don't want to drive them away from the church. So therefore, I have to go. Uh, what say you in response, Mrs. Miller? I say that it's nonsense to say that you can cooperate with sin in order to show charity. Charity and sin are diametrically opposed. There's nothing charitable about helping or uh, supporting or um, witnessing a sin, nothing charitable at all. And, in fact, um, I love how Father Ripperger says in, in, on this exact topic, he says it is the height of impiety and it's the lack of charity of the couple who would demand that uh, parents, for example, or loved ones come to a, a sinful event like this. That would be the, the, the exact lack of charity. So that argument just does not hold. Amen. Amen. I love that you included in the quote a topic about shame. You said there is a lack of shame when the child will insist on getting married outside the church and expect the parents to come to the quote unquote wedding. I think that's very interesting because we kind of have destroyed this idea of shame. And I talk about this often, actually, because I'm, I always try to tell people shame is good if you're ashamed about doing bad things. Shame is bad if you're ashamed about doing good things. And that has to be made a distinction. But where can people keep in touch with you, Lila Miller, if they want to find out more or read things that you're writing? Where can people get in touch with you? Sure. I have a website. It's LaylaMiller.net, L-E-I-L-A, Miller.net. Thank you very much. And check out the article, CrisisMagazine.com. God bless you. God love you, Mrs. Miller. And have a blessed weekend. Thank you so much. God bless you. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. When we come back, Dave Palmer is going to be with on, on with us to talk about Kierkegaard, plus the Ascension with St. Thomas Aquinas, and the game show coming up next. So much more. But stay with us. You won't want to miss one moment of Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back with much more right after this. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to the American court system, can a jury of 12 citizens who are of varying moral beliefs, backgrounds, and persuasions objectively deem a person not guilty who actually committed the crime? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, church law. In the same manner, the Apostolic College, who are the unique inheritors of the Catholic Church authority, were also granted that same power. Secondly, certain limitations. The court of 12, called a jury, can only grant acquittal or guilt. The Apostolic College, proceeding from the Twelve Apostles, can declare a third position, that being innocence, different from acquittal. And thirdly, a tough comeback. The jury of twelve wields frightening power that changes lives. The church also wields magnificent power that changes guilt into forgiveness and pardon. Is your Bible church obedient to James chapter 5, which says, Call for the elders of the church, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you ask your pastor to provide weekly opportunities to confess sins, will he? 
Doc, where are you taking this car? Great Scott, Marty! The Guadalupe Radio Network is saving so many souls, and by donating this car, it helps their future! And it's a great tax deduction. Yes! Just call 1-866-628-2277 or go to grnonline.com and click on Donate! That's heavy. No, Marty! Not heavy! It's charitable! Flux capacitor not included! All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there's a lot of interesting things going on. And, you know, I just felt really passionate earlier about the topic of blasphemy. Because it's just, oh, just nothing makes me more upset than blasphemy. It just, it just upsets me so much. Even, like, casual blasphemy just makes me so angry. So later today, I'm going to do a show on blasphemy it's going to be online uh, not on the radio so if you're going to want to see that you're going to want to be on our email list grnonline.com forward slash cdt be on our email list grnonline.com forward slash cdt there you can sign up for our email list and you can get all sorts of unique content that you cannot find anywhere else and plus starting on pentecost the monday after pentecost we're going to be going through the saint robert bellarmine catechism a doctor of the church, and he wrote his own catechism. So if you want to be educated in the faith by a doctor of the church, well, you're going to want to be in our email list. So you're going to join us, and we're going to go through that together. It's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. And plus, you're going to get that video on blasphemy as well. Uh, just blasphemy. Ugh, such a gross thing. Such a gross thing. Get those those blasphemies out of your mouth. Don't. No more. No more blasphemy. Let's, let's commit to it. No more casual blasphemy either, just using our Lord's name in vain, all these different things. Let's, let's avoid those situations if we can. Nothing is less attractive and grosser than blasphemy. And uh, speaking of attractive is the illustrious, the head full of hair, Mr. Dave Palmer, our executive director of the GRN out of our Dallas-Fort Worth office and host of Back to the Father. Uh, good morning to you, Dave. Dave, can you hear me? Dave, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Good morning, Adrian. There you go. There you go. Praise be to God. Uh, Dave, good morning to you. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's good. Good to be with you. I'm doing awesome. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I'm very excited about Back to the Father today because uh, you have, uh, to my and my by my suggestion, talking about the ascension of Christ. I love the ascension. One of the, the top three biggest feast days of the year and it's so over it's over it's so forgotten nowadays so i'm very excited about that plus you're gonna be talking about kierkegaard uh where would you like to start would you like to start with ascension or kierkegaard well can we start by you telling me who is going to be well my topic will be on my show next week okay so i need to start <laughs> planning okay you should totally talk about blasphemy you should totally talk about blasphemy i was reading the summa on the on blasphemy this morning and i was just like fuming reading uh saint thomas's commentary on blasphemy and the in the summa and i'm just like yeah get him thomas get him 
So there you go. Yeah, you know, you also have you also have me inspired to do one on shame because uh, Thomas, as you know, talks about the virtue of shamefacedness, as he calls it. So uh, one of these uh, weeks, I'm going to surprise you and do that because I know that's a big topic for you. Ah, that would be great. See, this is Dave Palmer. Don't tell anybody else. It's just you and me listening right now. <laughs> uh, we're the only ones talking. Uh, you're my favorite person in the GRN because no one else likes Thomas as much as uh, as, much as Dave Palmer does. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm sure you. I'm sure you didn't offend anybody in the GRN with that. Not none taken. Yeah, including Tito. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, you, uh, the Ascension we're going to talk about today, and then also Kierkegaard. And we have these two segments of about 20 minutes each to talk about these pretty deep topics. So, obviously, we're only going to kind of scratch the surface a little bit. But the, the Ascension is interesting. Uh, you know, late in the Summa, uh, Thomas introduces the incarnation in Jesus Christ. I think there's a good reason for that. I think I mentioned that before that. You're not going to really understand Jesus Christ, true God and true man, unless you first of all understand divine nature and human nature. And how could one person have both of those? How could one person have intellect, divine intellect, human intellect, divine will, human will? So then you you, you finally get to the part of the Summa where Jesus is uh, introduced. And, you know, this is the Ascension. And, I, and Thomas has six articles at the end of the Summa about the Ascension. And it's, it's really interesting uh, things because he's, he's very concerned about, well, how does this person who's both divine and human and has a human soul and, and has divinity, and uh, how does he ascend into heaven? And, and, and what does that mean as far as our salvation? Does he do it on his, his, through his human nature or through divine nature? He introduces this concept of the fifth essence and how how far does he rise in heaven and does he rise above the angels? And so, you know, if you like this kind of stuff, it's fascinating because Thomas goes a lot deeper than I think we typically do in saying, oh, okay, Jesus ascended into heaven. He's there now. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's very interesting because, like you said, most people don't even realize they have these questions. And then you're and then you read his questions. You're like, huh. That's a good point. Did, how did he do that? And it, it's very interesting because you're like, I didn't even think to ask that question. Like, for instance, Article 3, he asks whether Christ ascended by his own power. And you may be thinking, huh, that's a good question. Like, did the Father make him go up or did he do it on his own? Or, like, did the angels pick him up and take him up there? Like, what What exactly, how did he ascend exactly? That's, that's an interesting question. These yeah. kind of questions are things you just don't, you don't really think about to ask. And so it's very good because Thomas will ask the hard questions for you. Plus, he will leave you with the answers, not just the questions. And so that's going to be very interesting to come up with. Uh, let's start with, the, uh, with just one article for right now. Uh, the, the article that I think is uh, the most interesting to me is the fittingness question, which is the first article. And he asked whether it was fitting for Christ to ascend into heaven. Uh, Dave Palmer, uh, give us a sneak peek. What, is it fitting that Christ be ascended to heaven? Yeah, this is actually one of his briefest answers because, you know, the, the corpus where Thomas gives his answer is um, very, very short. And he, he he basically, it's almost like a, duh, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's he's Jesus, he's, he's God. It, it would certainly be, be fitting because of the, the glory of, 
of, of who he is. As I mentioned, you know, true God, true man, it would, it would definitely be fitting uh, to, for, for him to, to ascend into heaven. And, and, uh, and I will point out one other thing, because some people may think, well, what does this have to do with me? This is God. This is Jesus. It's great that he's up there, that he ascended. But one of the interesting things is uh, having to do with, you know, the power of him being able to do this is that Thomas goes into the fact that Jesus, being fully human, had a glorified soul. And he will say later in the Summa that one of the qualities of a, of a, glorified, a glorified body you know, in heaven is that we're able to move on the command of our, of our will. And so he's saying it's, it's possible that Jesus could have risen up into heaven through the power of, you know, of his glorified human nature and not necessarily having to rely on his divinity because even we in heaven will be able to move our body at will because our body will be entirely obedient to the, the, the glorified rational soul. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And the thing, the last thing I want to bring up about this before we move on to Kierkegaard is here he listed the three reasons why this is, because uh, you're, like you said, people always ask, oh, what is this unto me? Uh, why, why, why should I care? Well, here's uh, Thomas gives you three reasons. He says, first of all, in order to increase our faith. Secondly, to uplift our hope. And thirdly, in order to direct the fervor of our charity to heavenly things. And I think that's excellent. And also, Dave, I got to send you this later. The sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer on the Ascension, he talks about this exactly. And you can tell St. Vincent Ferrer is a Dominican and a student of St. Thomas because it's basically he explains the Ascension. His sermon on the Ascension is exactly the article of the Summa. It's very interesting. You'll enjoy that. Uh, But let's move over to Kierkegaard. Let's start here. Who is he and why are you talking about him today? Yeah, Kierkegaard, uh, 19th century Danish Protestant philosopher, really, really interesting, very influenced by Martin Luther, influenced by St. Augustine. And we, we, we study these, you know, quote, errant philosophers because we want to, first of all, learn something from them and also compare them to the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas. And I, I would say one of the principal differences between Kierkegaard and Aquinas is that Aquinas was a very optimist, uh, optimistic uh, theologian and philosopher, and he was able to understand the good of, like, created nature, the good of this life, and even how, how much better the next life is. He, and he didn't, he didn't do an either-or uh, kind of situation. Kierkegaard actually wrote a book called Either Or, <laughs> where he basically is saying, okay, you're either going to choose the aesthetic life, which means the life of pleasures, or you're going to choose what he calls the ethical life. And y- you've got to make a choice. You know, either or. Whereas Thomas wouldn't say that. He'd say we can have some participation in happiness here below, but true and full happiness is found elsewhere. So Kierkegaard had this real black and white either or, you know, he wrote a book called Fear and Trembling, which, you know, you named your game show after. Of course, St. Paul said that first, but, uh, you know, he was anxiety ridden. He, he was he, he didn't have a joyful, happy life because I think he was just too scrupulous and just it's almost like taking taking the joy out of 
your of your Christian faith. That's, that's what Kierkegaard did. You know, it's interesting you say that. I was listening to a couple lectures, including one that you sent me, but also there was one that Peter Kreef did on, on, on Kierkegaard, and here he quotes him, and he says that, that Kierkegaard saw life in his time. And I think, wow, like imagine if he was living now. He saw life in his time as too comfortable. There's too many comforts, and he wanted to create difficulties, difficulties in life, but also difficulties in the Christian faith because he saw everything as so easy and too and too simple and he wanted things to be more difficult like he uh, i think he compared himself to socrates he said and like socrates i will be treated as uh, as lovingly which of course to those who know socrates was <laughs> executed and so he there says uh and so i thought that was a very interesting analogy to make but let's go here for a second why were abraham and job his biblical heroes i think this ties up exactly with what we're talking about yeah, well, he did. He was uh, he, he was in the Romantic period, uh, you know, of the nineteenth the nineteenth century, and he rejected reason in regard to faith. Okay, so he would, for example, he would not like at all that Saint Thomas, or did not like at all that Saint Thomas Aquinas came up with five proofs for the existence of God. He believed that faith should be absurd. Where faith is, you know, he, what he he came up with the term a leap of faith. Uh, Tertullian said, I believe because it is absurd. So in these biblical characters of Abraham and, and also Job, they exhibited absurd faith, you know, where God said that, you know, you're going to be the father of many nations to Abraham. And then at the same time, he said, go and kill your son Isaac. Okay, that's absurd. And it doesn't make sense because <clears throat> I can't be the father of many nations if I'm going to kill my son, who is going to be the one that brings forth the next generation. So Kierkegaard believed anything. He didn't like philosophy combined with religion. If it, if it made sense, if you're trying to reason it out, he said, no, you can't do that. You have to take a blind leap of faith like Abraham did in being willing to kill your own son, even though it doesn't make sense. And also when Job, you know, just all this horrendous stuff is happening to him, but he still believed in God. He had like he had like absurd faith, even though his friends were all trying to reason with him and he, he rejected reason. Um, and so that's what Kierkegaard said is, is we, we can't apply reason to our faith. It has to be blind. It has to be what uh, criterion lists. Okay, there can't be any reason for our faith. It has to be blind. And that's why he liked these two characters. Absolutely, absolutely. And last thing here, uh, we're just about out of time. So where can people get in touch with you? Where can people watch the show? If this or anything we're talking about sounds of any interest to them, uh, where can people find out more? All right. Today and every Friday at 1 o'clock Central on all the social media sites of uh, Guadalupe Radio Network, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, is where you can find us. We spend one hour. We're going to talk about this. We love participation. So that's where you can find us. And if you want to get a reminder and a link for this show, you can email us uh, at backtothefather at grnonline.com. Backtothefather at grnonline.com. Check it out. Make sure that you're on their email list because I got to say there is not too many places online where you can get weekly content on the Summa and on St. Thomas Aquinas. Not a lot of places, especially at the level that Dave teaches it. It's most of the places are academic level, and I think Dave does a great job of breaking it down for the common folk like you and I. Well, praise be to God. Thank you, Dave Palmer, for being on with us, and we'll see you back. Uh, I'll see you later today on Back to the Father, and then maybe everyone else will see you and 
CDT next Friday. God bless you. Thanks a lot, Adrian. Bye-bye. And speaking of fear and trembling, we're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. Call now, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Coming up in just one moment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, we see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now, to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth. And that, my friend, will not happen again. Hey, Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Seven five seven ninety four twenty four. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes. In fact, today is a day where we give out prizes, plus the chances of you winning the prize this week, it just went up because yesterday we did not have a game show, meaning the odds are in your favor even more this week to be able to win if you call in today. 877 757 Nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four is a number to call to be part of the game show. You may be asking, okay, what am I listening to? How do I play the game? I'm not 100% familiar with how this all works. Well, let me tell you. I have three Catholic trivia questions here, and the, the, the point of the game is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to have 15 seconds to be able to give me an answer. And your job is to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win 
this week's prize. The prize this week, uh, Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a book from Catholic Answers called Revolt Against Reality, Fighting the Foes of Sanity and Truth from the Serpent to the State. In Revolt Against Reality, Gary Mashuda explains how an army of liars, manipulators, and bad actors has conspired from the beginning to thwart God's plan for man, a plan of order and peace centered on the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Available now from Catholic Answers. Thank you very much to Catholic Answer for being our sponsor for the game show this week. And we had a number of people call in just now, uh, but we will get make sure we get those in. If you have called in today and you did not get on the show, well, don't fret because the game show will be on next week as well. And so write down that number, 877-757-9424, and be on with us. That way uh, you can put us in speed dial and hop on early, and you can hop on hold, and we would love to have you on. And so make sure you do that, and we will be able to get you on the game show. So thank you to everyone who called in. Uh, joining us right now is Gerardo. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Gerardo. Where are you calling from? Midland, Texas. This is Master Baker. Master Baker. Praise be to Master God. Master Baker. Way to go. We uh, have to. We're heading up to Midland soon for the uh, annual GRN retreat. It's coming up at the end of the month, uh, and we're gonna have to uh, try to convince uh, the GRN leadership to let us uh, take a little quick road trip over to see uh, your bakery over there. But good morning to you, Master Baker. God bless you. Thank you. Good morning. And uh, where, so you go to Midland, Where? what parish do you go to in Midland? We attend St. Anne's. St. Anne's, I'm writing that down, i got to go visit St. Anne's while I'm in Midland. All right, and how is your daughter doing? I haven't seen her around in the in the chat recently, how is she doing? She's doing well, we've we've all been pretty busy, just lot, lots of things going on, but uh, you know, we have Mother's Day and uh, graduations and all kinds of things. So we've just been listening and enjoying the show. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Praise be to God. We'd love to hear it. And thank you very much for calling in. We love to have our, our callers and our regulars in the chat. That's a very ble- huge blessing to us. Uh, but let's go into the game show. I'm sure I mean, you're a veteran listener, so I'm sure that you know how the game works. I'm sure you will not be deceived. How are you feeling? Are you ready to play the game? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. All righty, Tito. Question number one. Let's do this. What is the final meal that Jesus had with his disciples? Huh. The, the final meal, the, the, the final dinner, the uh, final supper, the, the last supper. You're the last supper. Yeah, the, the last, last supper. supper. Yeah, they had it down mm. at uh, Applebee's. I mean, at the upper room. Hmm. I'm, I'm almost certain. Interesting. Last dinner, diner? You're dinner. saying final meal was last supper. That seems a little too on the nose to me, but all right, that's what you're going to go with. All righty, Master Baker, Gerardo, good morning to you. 15 seconds on the clock. What is the final meal that Jesus had with his disciple called? And Tito seems to think it's the last supper. What say you, Gerardo, from Midland, Texas? True. He says true. And you are correct, of course. You are correct. That was easy peasy. I was, uh, in fact, I'm looking at these questions and I'm like, geez, I think Tito knew you were calling in. He was like, we're going to give all easy questions to Master Baker because uh, he's a regular. Because all these questions, I'm like, man, 
this I don't even need to ask you the question. I could ask you the questions. You get these easy peasy, but we're going to continue. So are you ready for question number two? I am. Let's do it. Let's do it. All righty. Let's jump into it. Tito, question on the board. If a vow is not a solemn vow, what kind of vow is it? Oh, uh, if it's not a solemn vow, what kind of, of uh, vow? Vow, the price is right. Uh, let's see. It would be a simple vow if it's not a solemn vow at all. You're saying it's a simple vow. Vow, yes. Not okay. a vow well, but a vow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not a vowel. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> A-E-I-O-U. Um, all right. Simple is what he's going with. Simple is what he's going with. All righty, Master Baker. From Midland, Texas, the question on the board. 15 seconds on the clock. If a vow is not a song vow, what kind of vow is it? Tito says it's called a simple vow. What say you, Gerardo from Midland, Texas? It sounds a little simple, so I'm going to say false. Are you sure you're going to go with false? No, I'm going to go with true. <laughs> Way to go. See, that's how you know. That's I, how you know someone's a veteran and yes, listens to the show. Thank you. Yeah. They, they immediately, <laughs> immediately switch over. To the other answer. Pick up those cues. Uh, picking up those cues. Exactly. Exactly. He he is a keen listener. Switched over. Yes, it is simple vows. It's also te- typically known as like temporary vows. Those are also known that, as as yeah. well. That's uh, the technical I had name. Temporary would be in my head, but I couldn't. I couldn't remember. Yeah, temporary is also a correct answer, but it's not a technical name. We just kind of call them temporary vows. Curveball. So very good. Easy peasy. You're in for two. Let's jump into. Question number three, numero trace, as the certain people might say. Do you know what language trace is, Master Baker? Uh, Swahili? That is correct. <laughs> that's all right. We should give him wow. a point for that one as yeah, well. Yeah, that's an extra ticket. Al- almost everybody uh, gets that one wrong, but he got, he got that one right. So there wow. you go. All righty, Tito. The question on the board. Why bother? The question on the board, which hymn... Song at Mass on Feast Days takes its first line from the Song of the Angels at the Nativity. The Song of the Angels at the Nativity? Well, they always take the first word of the song, and it's the angels, so I'm going to go with the Angelus. Oh, the Angelus, you're saying? Yep. Okay, I mean, it does have the word angel in the name. Yep. So I could see the connection. I'm following what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down, as one might yep. say. It's uh, logical. All righty. All righty, Master Baker, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, which hymn sung at Mass on feast days takes its first lines from the Song of the Angels at the Nativity? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think it's the Angelus. What say you, Master Baker? False. He says it's false. That is correct. Way to go. Yes, the Angelus is, of course, the what our what the angel Gabriel said to Our Lady when he appeared at the Annunciation, the Angelus. However, do you know what the correct answer is? Sanctus. No, no, you're close. You're close. You're close. No, the answer is the Gloria. The Gloria. Gloria. Yes. That's what it was. Okay. Yes. We 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 avoid the the My Little Pony Gloria though. The, Glory to God. Glory. Yeah. We try to we try to avoid that. Oh, one. you know that one, the, like the My Little Pony. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of like the My there's Little Pony. A, <laughs> there's Mass of the Ages and Mass. Of, 
I prefer the mass creation. So. There you go. There you go. Uh, the Misa de Angeles is my favorite, but very good. Very good. Uh, the Gloria is correct. So way to go. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence three times. We're going to draw a name out today. So we're going to find out whether or not you are the winner. So uh, stay on with us, and we're going to be drawing a name. Tito is shaking up the coffee cup of divine providence as we speak. That drum is rolling, and that drummer is getting exhausted. So that number is uh, getting pulled out, and the winner. Oh. Ha ha! The winner is uh, MB Master Baker. There you go. Way to go, Master Baker. Huh? Way to go! Thank you me. have won it. Praise be to God. We, it's you know we we used to get like a lot of. Friday winners, and we have it in a very long time. And so you're our first Friday winner in a long time, Master Baker. Yeah, congratulations. Well, thank you. I'm honored. Well, stay on the line with us, and we'll be able to get your contact information so we can make sure that book gets to you. And uh, thank you to Catholic Answers for uh, sponsoring the game show this week. Uh, but God bless you, Master Baker, and we look forward to uh, making a trip out to Midland and getting some delicious pastries. Uh, what What do you recommend when we come? Oh, I'll, I'll have some goodies set for you. There you go. There you go. We'll chocolate. Have some goodies. Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. Chocolate. I love chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate is it my maybe, favorite. Maybe some petty fours and. Sin cacahuates. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Master Baker. God bless you. I'm going to put you on hold. Stay on the line. We'll get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you. And I hope you have a like the the novena to the to for Pentecost is coming up. So hopefully you're getting ready for the Pentecost celebration. But God bless you and God love you and have a blessed day. You too. God bless. And that's going to do it for the radio side of the show. And if you can join us, I highly recommend you hop on with us on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Odyssey. Join us there and we can interact with you directly. Whatever it is you want to talk about, we would love to talk to you about those things. So hop on with us and you can join us in the after show. If not, we'll see you back Monday morning at 6 to 8 a.m. Central Time across the Guadalupe Radio Network. And if you want, you can join our email list. If you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, go there and join our email list. Because if you do, you get unique content that you can't find anywhere else. Only there on our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We're going to do something about blasphemy. Plus, our private study group going through the Catechism of St. Robert Bellarmine. You're going to want to be with us uh, to going through that. If you don't know the faith... The doctor of the church, Robert Bellarmine, will teach it to us. So join us for that. All righty. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. This morning we celebrate Friday of the sixth week of Easter. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Media 
for those joining us online and for a successful surgery for Matthew Shipper. Praise the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Let us pray. Hear our prayers, O Lord, so that what was promised by the sanctifying power of your word may everywhere be accomplished through the working of the gospel, and that all your adopted children may attain what the testimony of truth has foretold. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. One night, while Paul was in Corinth, the Lord said to him in a vision, Do not be afraid. Go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. No one will attack and harm you, for I have many people in this city. He settled there for a year and a half, and taught the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews rose up together against Paul, and brought him to the tribunal, saying, This man is introducing people to worship God contrary to the law. When Paul was about to reply, Gallio spoke to the Jews. If it were a matter of some crime or malicious fraud, I should with reason hear the complaint of you Jews. But since it is a question of arguments over doctrine and titles and your own law, see to it yourselves. I do not wish to be a judge of such matters. He drove them away from the tribunal. They all seized Sosthenes, the synagogue official, and beat him in full view of the tribunal. 
but none of this was of concern to Galileo. To Galileo. Paul remained for quite some time, and after saying farewell to the brothers, he sailed for Syria together with Priscilla and Aquila. At Chancria, he had, his, he had shaved his head because he had taken a vow. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. God is king of all the earth. God, God is, is king, king of all, all the earth. All you peoples, clap your hands. Shout to God with cries of gladness. For the Lord, the Most High, the Awesome, is great king over all the earth. God, God is, is king, king of all, of all the, earth. the earth. He brings people under us, nations under our feet. He's, he chooses for us our inheritance, his glory of Jacob, whom he loves. God, God is, is king, king of all, all the earth. God mounts his throne amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid trumpet blasts. Sing praise to God, sing praise. Sing praise to our king, sing praise. God, God is, is king, king of all the earth. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead, and so enter into his glory. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will become joy. When a woman is in labor, she is in anguish because her hour has arrived. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the pain because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. So you also are now in anguish. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. On that day you will not question me about anything. Amen, amen, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The Gospel of the Lord. morning's liturgy of the word invites us to reflect a little bit on the arch of life and some of the cyclical patterns of life that we have of periods of groaning periods of patience periods of suffering and waiting and of course ultimately periods of joy that we experience in this life but which the gospel overall orients us toward that our whole life is pointed toward the resurrection of jesus was even in the context of our own prayer life of what we're invited to ask for we're all inclined to ask for good things and good health and all the things that can make life's experience nice and pleasant but today's gospel again reminds us that ultimately we are pilgrims on travail here in this world pointing toward the resurrection of Jesus where only there true joy and happiness will be found eternally we see something similar in the life of Paul Paul, too, kind of has these 
cycles of what he goes through in his missionary journeys and travails. Today we hear that while Paul is in Corinth that he's offered a special protection. Nobody can touch him and even the secular ruler is kind of an instrument of God to protect Paul and as it is give him a kind of period of time where he can preach freely in Corinth. But of course we know it doesn't always remain that way for Paul. He undergoes significant sufferings throughout his life. They try to stone him. He's imprisoned. Sometimes the prison doors are miraculously open for him. Sometimes they're not. And ultimately, Paul is beheaded. The point of Paul's discipleship and commitment is to preach the truth of Jesus Christ and to respond to the love of Christ in his life by giving his own life completely. And therefore, Paul is willing to accept all the good times, the protection, but also the sufferings, challenges, and ultimately the martyrdom as well. The end of today's gospel significantly orients our prayer life when it says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This really is the key to our prayer life, is to make sure that we are asking in Jesus' name. Because when we ask in Jesus' name, Number one, it unites our prayer with Jesus, and that means the goal of our prayer ultimately is the same goal that Jesus Christ has, which is for our ultimate salvation, for our holiness, to be able to accomplish the will of the Father, and ultimately to be obedient to our Father, even to the point of accepting suffering and even death in order to be faithful all the way to the end to him. Significantly, Jesus tells us today, on that day, the day of the resurrection, you will not question me about anything. In this life, there are all sorts of things that occur to us that sometimes have us scratching our heads to say, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why is our world going through this? But on the day of the resurrection, on the day of the Lord, all things will become clear that God ultimately is leading us to our salvation in Jesus Christ, and as we go through this world in kind of its cyclical fashion of suffering, of groaning, of pain, but also of rejoicing, we're called to remember that it happens in God's time. And whether we have a hundred years or two years, it's all the same in the time of God. And ultimately, if we journey in Christ the Lord, then our lives are definitively being led toward his resurrection and toward eternal joy. And so, my brothers and sisters, today as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always sincerely pray in the name of Jesus for what is most important in life, salvation and holiness and the will of God. And let us ask God for the grace that we would always be accepting of whatever is being presented to us in our life. Amen. brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
for the whole world that it may truly know the peace given by Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our own community, for those joining us online and via radio, that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Come, Holy Ghost, Creator blessed, and in our hearts take up thy rest. Come with thy grace and heavenly aid to fill the hearts which thou hast made. To fill the hearts which thou hast made. O Comforter, to thee we cry, Thou heavenly gift of God most high, Thou font of life and fire of love, and sweet anointing from above, and sweet anointing from above. O Holy Ghost, through Thee alone, know we the Father and the Son, be this our firm, unchanging creed, that thou dost from them both proceed, that thou dost from them both proceed. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept in compassion, Lord, we pray, the offerings of your family, that under your protective care they may never lose what they have received, but attain the gifts that are eternal through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. 
For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenisun Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by that same spirit by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. 
May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, Audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuu, adveniat regnum tuu, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, Et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quitolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I, I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. not worthy that thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near. My hope in Thee now strengthen, O Savior of my soul. Lest by temptation blinded, I turn from my true goal. Let us pray. Keep safe, O Lord, we pray, those whom you have saved by your kindness, that redeemed by the passion of your Son, they may rejoice in his resurrection, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ is risen today, alleluia. Our triumphant holy day, alleluia. Who did once upon the cross, alleluia. Suffer to redeem our loss. Alleluia.
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Amy Shields from St. Dominic Village, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. <laughs> 